Let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms in this same spirit of worship. Let's just quickly open our Bibles to Psalm number 66. We're taking from verse 1 to verse 9. All right? Say to God, how awesome are your works because of the greatness of your power. Your enemies will give faint obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of the God, who is awesome in his deeds towards the Son of Man. He stones the sea into dry land. They pass through the river on foot. There let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. His eyes watch, watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad, who keeps us in life and does not allow our foot to sleep. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. It says in verse 7, he rules by his might forever. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Amen. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Amen. Say, so let not the rebellious exalt themselves. That's it. It says in verse 9, is the one who keeps us in, in life and does not allow our food to sleep. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for accepting our worship. Thank you for preparing a feast of fresh bread from heaven for us. We receive it from you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And therefore, we declare as follows from the bottom of our hearts. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I've been filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and get into the teaching for this morning. The Lord bless you this morning. Amen. Now, let's continue our teaching. A new man and a new world is what we captioned it. Again, I'd like to start by reminding us of what it's all about. The aim of the series is to make sure Christians are not ignorant. I like to go occasionally through the fundamentals, the basics, all right? Even though some of the things I'm saying may appear deep, but actually they are very fundamental. They are things you need to grasp about life so that you know how to relate with it and handle your work with God. That's what we're trying to do. How did everything start? Where are we where we are? What is the solution that God has given us? And where are we going? That's what the whole thing is about, okay? And what I started by explaining when I say new man is that God is trying to, God doesn't change situations. He's more interested in changing people before changing situations. 
Don't ever forget that. That's what the whole thing is about. God is more interested in what? Changing Changing people. Your transformation is the most important thing to him, not your prosperity. I hope you're getting my point. Solving those your natural problems is not the primary thing in his mind. It is secondary to the core, the main thing. And the main thing is that you are transformed. And that was why when Israel was waiting for the Messiah, they were waiting for a Messiah that would change their physical situation, deliver them from bondage to the Romans and all the nations that may be oppressing them, and then give them freedom, you know, physical freedom. Just like today, you find our, the people in our nation, which is Nigeria, which is the most populous black nation on the earth, the most populous nation in Africa, and I think the country with the highest GDP in Africa. You understand? That is Nigeria. That's where we are. So we're speaking to the whole continent, actually. I'm speaking to the whole race of black people as I'm speaking to Nigerians. And trying to speak to Nigerians, I want, I'm not really speaking to everybody. I am speaking to the church of God in the nation. I hope you're getting my point. So you see, the focus often is on give us physical things. Give us physical things. It pains me, like I was saying last time, when the church falls into that misconception, that wrong focus, that's the, that's the word, the wrong focus. Give us physical things. Give us material progress. Give us good roads. Give us good you know, power supply. And that's the focus of the church. I say it is absolutely unfortunate. Pastors who mount the pulpit and they are more concerned about who elects who next year than the fact that the people lie, they cheat, they are corrupt. I think it's unfortunate. That was why Jesus was rejected. When Jesus came, he focused on the proper thing, of course, because he knows what's going on. He focused on changing the people. He sent John the Baptist ahead to prepare the hearts of the people to receive him. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his own focus. He said nothing about the Roman oppression. Go and check it. That will you be free? He didn't discuss it. I'm saying today, Jesus comes physically now. Also will not discuss your next elections. He will not discuss whether your roads are good or bad. He will not even discuss the so-called corrupt politicians. I know because that's what he did then. So the people who were, you know, when you see somebody who can move the crowd, you expect him to use it for good. Are you getting my point? You expect him to use it for good. People have asked questions before, why is Pastor Banky not supporting this particular candidate? You want to hear it again? I'm supporting nobody. If some of the candidates you love the most, I think they are incompetent. Now that's me. You won't even know who. No, but that let me not sit on that. The one I'm trying to make is this. He wouldn't discuss that. He won't. So when Jesus came, they expected him to use his popularity, his ability to move the crowd. But he did not. When he was going to address the situation of oppression, all he said to them is that, if they slap you on the right cheek, turn the left. Excuse me, what did you say? Are you getting my point? Nobody liked that. When they say to you, go with me one mile, go with them two. Now, he was describing oppression. That go with me one mile means a Roman soldier tells you, carry my load and escort me for a mile. He has a load, you know, has load to carry. So because he's an oppressor, this is in Lagos, I mean, I was there. See the way the mobile policemen and the, it didn't happen most outside Lagos. And soldiers oppress, you know, bus drivers. You can just enter the bus. They don't pay. They're staff. What gave them the right not to pay? You don't know. 
Is in the constitution that if you are a military man, you won't pay for transportation? No, 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 I don't think anybody cares. So staff, now give my money. Do you understand my point? Yeah, we don't have that concept around here. In Lagos, it was routine. See, military man enters the vehicle, even when he's in mufti. He doesn't pay. Money says staff. Does he do that? Does he do it? So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And Jesus said, if they say, carry one of us, he said, carry two. That's what he was saying. Go with me more, man. He said, go with him too. Jesus said, submit to oppression. It's counterintuitive. I mean, the natural thing is you resist oppression. And he now said, do not resist the oppressor. He even gave the word like that. The time they were doing answers in this nation, I shook my head. The church got high, smoking something. Pastors were holding services where they are doing protests. In case you did not know, God was very angry with all of you. You don't have to agree with me. You just know you heard it one day. And you just know that you have heard it. So one day you refer to it. God was angry. I give you the mind of the Lord. The mind of the Spirit. He was angry with, you, with everybody. All the church. Look at this book. This is what Moses did. And ended up 40 years in the wilderness. I was going to send this people into something. Why? Because the interest of God is always you. He always says, and he wants you to hear it. This oppressor outside is not so powerful. It's not as powerful as you think. The problem is you. The yoke is destroyed by what you call anointing King James. is fatness. This oppression is nothing but what doctors would call opportunistic. What's an opportunistic trouble? The trouble that came only because you are weak. Do you get my point? There's been arguments, you know, of course, crazy arguments, that you are more microbe than human. What do I mean? If you take a human being and count all the cells, every living thing on its body, you will count more microbes than the human cells. Your skin filled with them. They're tiny, smaller than your own cells, so they take less space. Your intestine, full, full of them. Between the ones on your skin, the outer part of your nose, you know, and then your intestine, they count the cells, they are more than your own, what makes you a human being. You know what? They never cause troubles. Not because they don't have the ability, but because you are too strong. Sometimes people buy soap, Sorry, let, you know, I, I, I say a lot of things. Say, this one kills gems. I said, please, don't use soap that kills gems. You are more likely to fall sick. I'm sorry if you are selling soap that kills gems. I won't say because of your business. I won't tell the people who are listening to me. Who God said, go and listen to Banky. I won't tell them the truth. If you see a surgeon wants to operate, it was the first thing we were shocked, we were surprised as students. The surgeon has to wash the hands thoroughly. In fact, some don't even wear gloves. There are some surgeons that don't wear gloves because they don't touch. They only touch their instruments. And you know what they use? I was surprised as a student to see when we began to see it. They use ordinary, you know, this small white soap that you buy in the market for bathing. The gentle one. They will just wash three times. Why don't they use antiseptic soap and not those uh, germ killing soap? Let's make a long story short. It makes no difference. In fact, it's more harmful than good. So just take normal soap. But you know, is a white one. They just wash. Wash, wash. They taught us how to wash three times under running water. Bam. Why? Because those germs are not supposed to be killed. They are not harmful, listen to this, 
as long as you are healthy. So there are some of those gems we see. You now see them causing problems. If somebody has a boil somewhere, you check it. Or that abscess deep, you check it. Ah, is this gem now? They're no longer worried about the gem. They're worried about why did it get into you? They start screening you for things like HIV, you know, maybe nutrition. Your immunity must be down. Once I finished church, when I was a house officer, there was a man came to me. He had boil here, boil here, boil there, boil there. That is why, please stop going to funny. If you are, if you, if you if you want to see a doctor physically. Please see a real doctor. Not everybody that opens a shop. Because there's an integrated way the doctor is trained to think. So the man came to me, he has boil here, he has boil here, he has boil here. Ah, I'm looking at him, do they manufacture boil in your family? That kind of thing. <laughs> now, because of the training, instantly I forgot, I knew what causes boils, but why are you having so many? I began to ask him a few questions. How many times do you urinate in a day? How many do you know that? Do you wake up? Now, I started asking many questions. I want to check whether he's peeing sugar. At his age, that was what came to my mind. And that's okay, actually. Some time ago, they told him he was diabetic and that they gave him medicine. He thought the thing has gone away. Eh? I said, it's only God that makes it go away. It doesn't just go away like that. Instantly, I knew that, no, something has to be wrong. You just don't be getting balls anyhow. Do you get my point? Instantly, my mind, I didn't worry about the demons afflicting him, the witches in his family, the oppressor of a government. No, I didn't. I said, what's wrong with your own immune state? After asking a few questions, I hit it on the head. It wasn't it? Don't they? Ah, you are very smart. It wasn't smart. It's basic. It's fundamental. Once you are trained, it's like you get to your house. You see water on the floor. Who put it there? Nobody. You mop it. You turn around. Come back five minutes later. Water is there again. What if I start checking? Where's the leak? Where's the leak? You don't start shouting at your children. You people don't know how to mop. You people don't know how to mop. We need better mops. We need better mops. Do you do that? You start checking for what? The leak. Where's the water coming from? So that's why when Jesus came, he said, let's check the leak. The leak is the weakness of your relationship with God. The Romans are not powerful. Oppressors are not powerful. If the people are strong enough spiritually, the oppression will fall off naturally. It's just natural. It just fall off. So Jesus came to build the people. So he went around preaching. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you men persecute you. Start preaching things that were so strange. How can you say I'm blessed when I'm being persecuted? How can you say I'm blessed when I'm poor? How can you say I'm blessed when I have troubles? What was he saying? All these things I'm describing are either signs of your spiritual development or they will push spiritual development into you. At the point in time, he actually said, James said it this way, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Why? Because what's important to God is what they call the trial of your faith. Your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. So God can remove a job from you if you improve your faith. I hope you're getting my point. What other people are believing God for? God can remove it if it will improve your faith. He can. The problem we have is that we think those outward things are controlled by the devil. We even used to preach that physical things are under Satan's control. Have you heard that thing before? I've heard people say that God cannot lead you through material things because material things are in this world and they are under Satan's control. 
I keep on saying, you say things like that when you don't read the Bible completely. You know God can make the sun go back. The sun is not, is not under Satan's control. Flooding is not under Satan's control. You know, arguments we hear once in a while, I like to toss those things in to help people understand. They say, if you say God causes natural disasters, how come Jesus rebuked the wind? Is he fighting himself? Have you heard that argument before? Those of you who are, you are students of scripture, you have, you've heard that argument before. To prove that that thing is only Satan. Why would Jesus rebuke it? Because people like me say, leave Satan out of this business. You don't see God amplify Satan in the life of his people. Why will he now rebuke the wind if he was sent by God? I said, when you speak like that, you've omitted some things. I said the last time that once judgment is released, it cannot be stopped. It has to be diverted and absorbed somewhere else. I hope you're getting my point. And you see that it's told, some of the things we are supposed to learn from the book of Esther. After the king issued a decree to exterminate the Jews. Remember that? When Esther now went and interceded and the king found out what he had done. Do you know he couldn't withdraw the decree? The decree still had to stand. There's a spiritual thing about it. But were the Jews exterminated? Answer me. Why? The same king wrote another decree. Two of them running side by side. Empowering the Jews to defend themselves and ordering their neighbors to support them. So the day of battle, <laughs> the exterminators came out. The defenders also came out. There was not a clash. That's how spiritual things are. In the same manner, when people have sinned, do you know the iniquity in the heart of Judas? You know Judas was on that boat? Judas was on the boat. Peter was on that boat. Peter was a hard guy. Philip was on that boat. All those that didn't understand what Jesus was, they were on that boat. They were activating judgment against the boat. So the storm waited for Jesus to sleep. Then when Jesus arose, what he did was to collect all the judgment against those men and against the sea for whatever reason and put it on himself on the cross. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's what he did. He was going to take it to the cross. Because of that, he could stop the judgment. Not because the judgment was not going to happen, but the judgment has now been diverted to the cross. So he, that's why I call him the mercy of God. That's why the name of Jesus, the name of mercy is Jesus. God's mercy has a name, I see all the time. His name is what? Jesus. So that was the reason why he could stop the wind. That's the reason why he could stop that storm. That's why he could say, peace be still. Say, not here, go to the cross. And the judgment went to the cross. That was, those were the things he was taking on that cross. Now, what's going to emphasize to us again? is as we are changing. All right? These material things are not a big deal. With God, no. He can control them. He can end troubles. So, when the, when the floods arose in Nigeria recently, people said all kinds of things. Of course, the blame goes to the God they worship. Remember the God? Buhari, thank you. Government. You know, human beings are amazing. They found a way to twist that flood into the responsibility of the APC government. Why did they not build a dam? You want to hear the truth? That, the problem was spiritual. Because God has a commandment concerning the floods. You go to where I say you should go and not any further. So it caused the floods to ar- arise. And then the flood, what now? 
There's one prayer I pray. I won't tell you openly. But I pray that prayer. That as it's going down, let it wash away some troubles. But there are some troubles I didn't like. I said, let it just, be, let it just carry them away. Carry them away. Yeah. Please, I'm just saying it again. God is changing you. God is changing me. He has given me one blessing. And this is a blessing. Every trouble I face, and I do face them once in a while, every single one, I make sure I look for my spiritual lesson. I make sure I look for my spiritual lesson. There was a day I was driving, I left here. I was going home. I was guided to a place where somebody would jam my car. Is it guided? Yes. No matter when I get to this junction here, I turn left. But that day, there was so much traffic there. Turning left was difficult. Now, if I go right to go home, it takes me two extra kilometers to get to my house. But that day, because the traffic here was kind of heavy, the easy way to get out of this junction was to turn right. I said, okay, I will drive the distance. Traffic was bad that day. So I turned right. Spirit guiding. Then I got to the next junction. Traffic light was red initially. On my side, I waited. It turned green, you know, at that stadium. I was supposed to go left this time around. Then one Onicha South driver, as my own turned green, his own turned red, he decided to ignore the red and ignore the fact that he could see me clearly. Maybe he wasn't seeing me clearly because you don't know what some people drank. So people are, people are even sleeping as they are driving. They are on autopilot. You don't know. I couldn't see him. Now, listen to this. This played in slow motion. Everything I'm telling you now. It was slow motion when I got there in my heart. I saw this guy moving. I said, no, he can't be serious. So I kept on going. I said, this guy cannot be serious. I assume that he will hit his brake. This guy is okay. We'll be going. My fine ride, no scratch. And I love that vehicle. Nobody eats inside. Ask my wife. If you are hungry, you come down. Because I don't want ants struggling with me for space. Suddenly it dawned on me that this, this blocker is going to hit me. He wasn't joking. So, of course, what did I do? Reflexly, I swung to my right. I had no choice. Now, this angel is fantastic. The angel at that point had decided that one keke should try and overtake me on that side. So the keke man was just going, for, for those of you who know what's keke, it's the advanced technological development in Nigeria we use for moving people around quickly. It's called tricycles, all right? <laughs> for those who don't know. The guy just came full blast. Bam! He was just heading straight. And because he just showed up from nowhere, everything played slow motion in my head. As I turned, took the right turn like that, he smashed into my front fender. This car that I love so much has been defiled. Of course, I stopped. When the child saw man, just kept on driving like two of you. Solve your problem. He kept on driving as if I did not exist. As if it was not his fault. As if he's not, he not the one that ran the red light. Of course, the KK man stopped. I came down, looked at my car. I turned to look at the Nature South man. I gave him re- retrospective work. Away. What did he go? <laughs> I know he didn't see me. So the came out. The I was feeling responsible. I said, no, no, it's not your fault. It's not. I mean, I'm the one that swung into your path. I should be the one apologizing to you. But the man who caused the trouble, that's him driving off there. I saw a steel light going. Now, all this story to tell you what. I entered my car and I began to repent. I won't tell you of what. I began to tell the Lord I was sorry. I, that is, if you see the, the, that is, that was some, nothing less than six weeks, two months ago. 
Till now, occasionally, I still get, I say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's as if I heard the Spirit say, I heard now. I said, no, I'm not really telling you I'm sorry now. I'm telling myself, don't be stupid again. Because at that point in time, certain certain things had happened. I didn't know. I was beginning to crawl without knowing it into bitterness. And the Lord was looking like, what is wrong with this guy? And the only way to get that attention, I'm telling you, I'm not joking about it. I'm not trying to rationalize to make myself feel happy. I'm telling you what exactly happened. As soon as I got back into the car, I drove a few minutes. I said, Lord, what's going on here? And then the whole message began to play back in my mind. Look at this problem. Look at it here. Look at that. I said, Lord, so by the time I got home, I was rejoicing. I was counting it all joy that I got bashed and my fender dented. Seriously. I had nothing against the man. I even feel like an angel borrowed his car, used it to push me, and then went and parked and said, boy, drive. I've talked to this, the son of God that I was supposed to talk to. Every situation in my life, that's how I handled it. Every. Those of you who are pursuing the evil spirits, I'm pursuing them. Um, what do you call it? Witches. Don't worry yourself. You're just, you're hurting yourself. Like I said the other time, if I have a cable for charging my phone, if it disappears in the room, the first person I ask is the person who lives there with me. There's only one person that lives in my room with me. And that's my wife. And if she says she didn't touch it, instantly, I know the people to think about next. One of them is a girl. As the only girl in the house apart from my wife. So I look, I know, you are the one that took this girl. No, it's not me. I turn to the brother, a little younger than her, who's also very likely to do such things. Because it has to be them. They are the ones that live in my house, that can enter my room. So why is that when you have a problem, you say, which is cost it? Do they live in your house? I don't give them that kind of credit. For what? They don't, live, they don't have any business with my life. Please, I'm repeating this again. Satan has just a few things he can do that he's allowed to do. Number one is what? Tempt. As part of temptation, deceive. So your job is to resist this temptation. Fight deception. That's the main thing you can do in your life. Make you walk in bitterness, anger, quarrelings. Those are the things it does. I hear people say, oh, Satan is up to something. I say, what do you mean? Because they're having trouble. I say, no, that's not Satan up to something. Unless you're seeing your trouble as a temptation to speak against God. Temptation, when it heightens, is when you know Satan is up to something. Please, I hope you're following me again this morning. So God is changing us. That's what we're talking about. God is changing us. So that the fall of man, what does the fall of man mean? Independence. That is when the man, when the man decided to eat of that tree, what he was saying is that I've chosen independence above God, above my relationship with God. What do you mean by independence? I make my decisions. I do what feels good to me. I do what I believe is best for me according to how I feel. The word of God cannot supersede or override my personal opinion. When people want to tell me, the Bible said, leave Bible aside, let's get practical. That's it. I'm eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's, what, that's just what it means. And the result of that is what? Death. And we've talked about death on different levels. We won't go over that again. So, let's continue from that point. Last time we explained the fact that 
It's God that comes looking for us. He's the one that makes the way. You cannot make the way by yourself. It's not possible. He's, he's the one that calls. And when he calls, our duty is to answer. That's our duty. Let's take a particular portion of scriptures today to continue. Let's just read from Romans chapter 5 again. Or which one do we read now? Uh, okay, let's read Hebrews chapter 10. Now what I want to talk about today, God helping me, is the issue of righteousness. I want us to discuss righteousness again. We can't discuss it enough. Righteousness. Now remember, okay, let's just quickly read it because if I start talking, I will end up not reading. Okay, sorry, to save time. All right? Let's read that Romans chapter 5. <laughs> All right? That will be quicker. It's a shorter read than the Hebrews chapter 10. There are so many of them, of course, as you know, on such a topic. Remember, we are being changed. That's the primary thing. Difficulty, we are supposed to be changed by them. I've fallen sick once in a while in this my life. And every time, I've always recovered 100%. But each time, especially in my adult life in the last maybe 20 years, 20-something years, I don't just fight the devil. When I was younger, we rebuke and rebuke. I became older. If anything goes wrong, I lie down first and say to the Lord, what's going on? That's the first thing I do. I search my heart up and down. The Holy Spirit will always indicate to me what is the problem. And if there's none, don't think, I don't walk in sin consciousness. What is it called sin consciousness? As if I'm unworthy. It's not being unworthy. It's correction. Chastisement. People say that the chastisement of God is with words. I don't, well, I don't know. Maybe his words are very hurtful. I don't know. And I don't mean hurt your feeling. I mean hurt your flesh. Many things happen. God needs to get your attention. Many problems we have in life is God trying to get our attention. Never forget it. That's it. Many problems we have in life, God is trying to get our attention. When the bush was burning, it was so that Moses would turn around to look. He had to make him curious. That's what God did. One of our senior brothers in the faith, one day he had an accident on Third Millard Bridge. Was, I think they were taken to the airport or somewhere, but it was on the Third Millard Bridge. When some, I think either the tire blew or something, or somebody ran into them. Make a long story short. On the Third Millard Bridge, the car did a somersault. A few somersaults, actually. And it landed upside down. David said, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. God didn't allow the car to fall off the bridge into the water. You know there's water down. That's why it's called a bridge. Third Millard Bridge, a very long bridge. He said, as soon as the car came to rest, and he was upside down, belted in. The first thing he said is, Lord, you've gotten my attention. That was the first thing he said. He said, now, Lord, you have gotten my attention. He was preaching shortly after. That's when he told us. He said, the first thing that came out of his mouth is, he was still inside the car. The car was still upside down. He had not been extracted. Of course, the rescue came immediately after. He was seriously injured. Don't think he was injured. His ribs cracked, broke his hand. Oh, yes, he was. He was out for weeks, then months to recover and all of that. So, but the first thing he did was to say, Lord, you've got my attention. So, like we said, what's up? And the day I was speaking with him, he said that this was about maybe like six months or so after that, or a few months after. He said, Banky, they have learned more. This is a man, then he was in his late 50s. He said, now I've learned more about God in the last few months than I knew about him all my life. 
Some people come and Satan wants to kill me. I keep on saying, let me explain something. Some thoughts don't cross Satan's mind. They are the ones that give them to him. You are the one that gives them to him. Some thoughts don't cross his mind. I will kill this person. It does not cross his mind. It doesn't cross his mind. And I'm not joking about that. He doesn't think such thoughts. Because he understands more than most people. The only thing that crosses his mind is, I will tempt this guy. I will tempt this guy. Do you get my point? Even then, please understand Satan's role in this life. Even then, he has a limit to the temptation they can bring. He has a limit. He has some very tough temptations that you cannot resist. So God looks and says to him, you can't use it. The Lord turns to him straight, you cannot use it. How do I know? It's in the scriptures like that. There's no temptation that has come upon you. There's not a common one. With every temptation, God has provided what? A way of escape. And he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. Simple. And in Job's case, God took it stepwise. He told him simply, you can take his goods and all that belong to him, but you can't touch him. Did you notice? He did not cross Satan. People don't understand. Let me say something to you about God and Satan for a moment. God and Satan is not like Anthony Joshua Versus, is it Alexander Yusik? Is that his first name? Yusik. What's the first name? Uh-huh. Anyway, you know what I mean. It is not like Tyson Fury versus, what's the name of that? Black, Dante Wilder. Two heavyweight boxers coming to the ring to slug it out to show who's supreme. It is not at all like that. At all. If God says to Satan, you can't cross that line, God does not have to attend to that. He doesn't have to say, my children have to not to cross here. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to hold him. <laughs> Begin to hold him. Satan, <laughs> you can't cross it. <laughs> father, the father is holding your chest. We are holding your leg. You can't cross it. God just says, thus far and no further. The idea... The idea of crossing that line by 0.1 micrometers does not cross his mind. It's not crossable. So when he said to him, you can touch him, you can touch his things, his goods, but you can't touch him. You can touch all that belongs to him. Satan had the right then to touch his work, his staff, his children, everything that he had. But Job was totally healthy. Satan could not even blow on his eyes to make him blink. Please understand who that Satan is when we're talking about God. They are not equal and opposite. This is a powerful good. This is a powerful bad. Satan crawls amongst the angels. And he wants to move around. When they come before God, he also comes like the angels. From where have you come? He answers like other angels. You know, God, look, 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 he wants to give you an uppercut. Eh? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Please understand it. He came back and said, because I have you that myself and Job. He said, it's okay now, it's okay because, you know, he didn't let us touch him. God said again, now, go ahead, touch him, but what? You can't kill him. 
that was the final, another line drawn. That is, make Job sick from now to tomorrow. He wasn't going to die. That was what David said. He said, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but what? He has not given me over to death. He has not given me over to death. So, Christians, please, let's get this clear. You have to know these are not equal and opposite people. That's why you hear me talk like I do. Satan's job is temptation. His job is temptation. Please bear it in mind. Now, I'm trying to emphasize something to us here. As if we should open somewhere, right? So, in every trouble I have in life, I look out for the lessons of God. That's what I was trying to emphasize to you. In every trouble, I look out for God's lesson. I quote Robert Kiyosaki in that area, even though he was a, a, a you know, business and financial um, writer. But I read his book then, and he said something which struck a chord in me I never forgot. He said, you will see, is it the one that said it? Yeah. He said, you will see many poor people who have never lost a dime. He said, I never lose money. He said, he said but you will never see a rich man that has never lost money. Yesterday I was, re- was reading. Yes. Yeah, somebody sent the, somebody wrote an article, yes. I told Paris to read it to me because I was driving. And they said, Dangote's refinery, you know, it's complete now. Apparently, everything is set. Just maybe they are doing testing and all of that. They should start production first quarter of next year. Now, this is where I'm going. They said, why didn't it start on time? He said, lack of funds. Uh-huh. I know some of you thought that Dangote is next to God. They said there was no money. The lack of money slowed them down. Of course, it's, going, it's costing almost $20 billion, if not more. But the initial plan was maybe for like 14 But you know, as this will be going on, they'll be making discoveries and all of that. So the Dangote needed money. <laughs> so Robert Kiyosaki said, there's no many rich people. They said there's no rich person that has never lost money. Yeah, but you don't know them for the money they lost. Are you getting my point? It's not part of that, unless they tell you the story. So Robert Kiyosaki now said, that anytime you do a business and you lose money, he said, don't lose the lesson. I don't know whether you're getting it. He said, lose the money, fine, but don't lose the lesson. Then in each one, there must be a lesson to learn. And I want to add my own words. The lesson is more valuable than the money. I hope you're getting my point. For me, that's how it is spiritually. Anything, in fact, I get my value back from physical loss by taking a spiritual lesson. And I know that one is more valuable. Do you get my point? For every physical loss, I convert it to gain by focusing on the spiritual. When I focus on the spiritual, I get my lesson. And that one is more valuable than the money lost, than time lost, than material things lost, than relationships lost. It's as I'm telling you now, I just realized that is technology the Lord gave to me years ago. I look, oh, of course, who doesn't suffer loss? Time, money, relationships, things like that. But I say, what is the spiritual lesson here? And every time, I don't focus on the outward. Like I tell you about the man who jammed my car, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not joking, I'm not saying this. Just, you see, people think that you're just trying to make yourself feel happy. Number one, it's good to feel happy anyway. Why make yourself feel bad? Some people wake up in the morning and say, how do I make, how do I feel, make people feel bad this morning? Some people are, you know, Bible says, how blessed on the mountains are the what? Feet of those who, who bring, who bear good tidings. Thank you. How lovely on the mountains. 
Some people, you know what they bring? Bad tidings. So how ugly in the valley are the heads of those? <laughs> I'm turning everything upside down. <laughs> yes. Now, one reason is that they say, hey, yeah. I mean, sometimes people, some of my clients, I say, you like to bury your head in the sand. I say, this sand is very cool. You that bury your head in where there's, in the ozone layer, you are hypoxic. Sorry. You're, you have low oxygen tension now. You can't think again. As you are accusing me of burying my head in the sand, so have you carried your own head into a place where there's no oxygen? Now your brain is swelling for lack of oxygen. You can't see straight. Is it how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those that bear what? Glad tidings. So, is glad tidings. He didn't say there's no bad tidings, yeah? But this person is bearing what? The good one. Like I said, we used that illustration the other time. There are people who call you. It takes you a while to pick their phone, their call. Why? You know it's one trouble or the other. But if there's somebody that anytime they call you, maybe not a blessing, they want to just bless you. This morning I say to you, it shall be well with you. As you are going out, the Lord will go ahead of you. Before, if I, once MTN or Glue is thinking of connecting the line, you've answered it. Or anytime the person finishes calling, you say, is there anything you need? You say, nothing, sir. So let me just send you this 50K just for you to think whether you need anything. <laughs> If it doesn't even call you, go, you go use style. You go, no, you go call and say, okay, I, just want to play, I want to pray for you this morning. How lovely on the network. <laughs> Are you getting my point? <laughs> but somebody is always uh, bearing bad tidings. Just look and say, what is it? Okay. Uh, in your mind, I'm busy now. But that, that first fellow. Even if you're in the bathroom, the phone rings, you go wipe your face, wipe your hand. Say, are you busy? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> the Lord is good. So, now, what I'm saying is, so, yes, there's nothing wrong with that, trying to feel good. Okay? But for me, that's not what I'm doing. It's reality, it's truth. What is the lesson in this? I convert my loss to gain. I co- and it's in scripture like that. Paul said what? Our temporal afflictions, which comparatively is light, our temporal and light affliction is working for, for us what? A, an eternal weight of glory that far exceeds the temporal afflictions. But how does it come? Why we look. It's what you are focused on. It's why we look. It's what you are looking at. If you focus on the eternal, then your temporal affliction is working for you what? An eternal weight of glory. But if you are not looking at that which cannot be seen, then that temporal affliction will work for you what? Pain. It will work for you loss. So that's why in the midst of my temporal affliction, I carry my eyes up. Do you follow my point? So don't let the affliction have the final say. That's the point I'm making. Don't let the affliction have the final say. No matter how terrible it is, I gave the illustration of um, um, Demon Shakarian. He has seen God work miracles in his life. He has seen all kinds of things. Then one day his child took him. And they did everything within their power. And the child still died. And as a result, what did they do? They joined their hands together and committed themselves to the plan of God for their lives deeper and firmer than ever before. That was the reaction to the 
loss of a child. Some of us who have gotten, you know what the Bible called the madness of the prophet. Some of us have become crazy. We say, God, after all the seeds I sowed, after everything that I've done for you, and if you were the, you, if you were the one that your child was sick and I could help you, you know I will help you. And you, with all your power, you will do help me. I'm not talking to you again. And I told that once the man was trying to raise money somewhere, he was preaching. He said something, I told my wife, she was sitting beside me, I said, it's a lie, it's lying. Now, my wife does not shock when I say such things anymore, she's used to it. So how do you say it's lying? I said, God doesn't behave like that. Say so one man, the child was sick, the child died. And he had built a church. So he now brought the dead boy to the altar, to the, pool, to the platform in that church. And said, God, after I built a church for you. And then he kept the dead boy there. And he turned around and went away. And as he was going, the boy shouted, Daddy. <laughs> I told my wife, it's a lie. Is a lie. It is a fat lie, a robust lie, a rolling lie. Fake. Don't do that kind of accounting with God. Please, I'll get back to my message, but let me just say it again. Please, I'm begging people because I know there's a lot of struggle in people's hearts to accept what I'm saying. And you were discussing in further details today. You never come to God feeling qualified for anything personally. Never. I don't care how good you are. Let me give you an example. I want to give you a practical example. Assuming now you sing for God, your name is Nathaniel Bassi or Pascal. Oh no, we have two Pascals. There's one that sings and plays the guitar, like you saw this morning. And there's one that's a Bible. Eh? Charles Podgeon. Uh-huh. So assuming you are Nathaniel Bassi or this is our Pascal here, and for 10 years you've been singing every time for the Lord, you have never used your voice. To rap for Satan at all. You have never used your voice to say, Oh, this Omogeo, never. <laughs> all you have ever said is, We worship. We worship. Brent, let's begin to worship the Lord. That's all you have ever done. Ten years, ministering up and down. Then the 11th year of your ministry, you develop a problem on your vocal cords. I hope you're getting my point. It happens when you stress these vocal cords too much, something may go wrong. So assume you have that kind of problem. You know, the human tendency is to come and kneel down. God, you know this voice you suddenly are used to sing for. This is what you will now do after all the songs I've sung for you. 200 hours, no, 2,000 hours of worship leading. Do you get my point? You know, the attitude of what? I deserve healing because I have used this voice to serve you. People of God, that is how to die fast. Now, you can say something similar. Do you understand my point? And get healed. What I mean? You can say, Lord, you know this is what I used to serve. I don't know what I get my point. Please, I need my instrument of service because I still have work to do. Two different things. Two different things. And you can say, Lord, okay, if you don't want me to serve this way anymore, no problem. But I need my health as long as I'm on this earth. Can you see the way you are talking to him? If you don't want this one anymore, no problem. Give me my health and lead me somewhere else. I don't have a problem. But you don't come and say, ha, after everything I've done for God, there's no way he won't heal me. They will bury you in one month. That is, the burial will be fast. They will think you're a Muslim. 
That's how fast it will be. Before you know what's happening, you're dead. Before you know what's happening, you're buried. Never, please, I'm begging you, never come to God to make, to, feeling as if you deserve something. I mean what I'm about to say. I know some people will say, no, you are talk, teaching sin consciousness. It's not sin consciousness. So you must always come knowing that in yourself you are not worthy. There is nothing good you have done that you had the power to do in yourself. That's why you can get no credit. Because it says there's none good but God. There's only a good one. So if you did something good, God walks through you. I hope you're getting my point. So please, I want to drop that again for us. Because I feel, I perceive amongst Christians still sit there. You talk, 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 that they are still thinking. Only one person came to me for prayer after he said, after all, I paid my tithe. I'm telling you the truth. Old kingdom was tight. So I was looking at the woman like this. say, madam, please, if it's tight that you paid, that you're, first, you didn't give me the tithe. So it's not like, do you get my point? Because if not me, chop the tithe now. You say, pray, you don't chop. <laughs> You don't know there are people like that. So you must pray. Pastor, you have eaten the diet. You must pray. I wasn't the one that ate the diet. And the woman was looking at me like, after I paid my, I'd look at her like, should I throw you out of my presence? You have problems. You are still telling God, after all. Listen, it is not possible humanly for you to stand if you were to number iniquity. Never forget that. Never forget that. Please, I'm still stuck on that thing I was saying. So, as a matter of fact, I convert every loss to gain. I convert every loss to gain. <laughs> you know, I was not around on Tuesday, you know, because I was delayed in the airport for, I sat in that airport for 10 hours straight. Oh, yes. So when you see me private play, don't even, if you complain, eh, <laughs> the way I will do work out to you, you're not going to believe. I, the prayer I will pray for you is that God, let him be stranded in an airport for two days. And after he leaves, he should be stranded in a motor park for 20 hours. After that, let him be in a bus stop for 10 hours. That's the prayer I'll pray for you. When you sit there, buy a private plane, and you are using your mouth to complain. You know the funny thing, Apostle? Those who complain, they didn't give up. You didn't notice that? Those who did not give towards the buy purchase of the plane are the ones that we, that we complain. One day, Bishop, we didn't bought that first time. We bought a private jet. And so I went, I was working in Lagos that time. So the one lady, one of the security staff in the, in the department, I went to the office that day. She and I were talking about something. Yeah, well, go. Your bishop is using your money to buy plane. Look at you. She was just yapping. So I said, what did you say? My bishop used who? My money. I said, is it your money? That's how I ended the discussion. He wanted to yap me that bishop we bought a jet and look at us. Shame on us. Look at how they are scamming us. I said, is it you they scammed or me? Why are you the one taking Panadol when I'm the one that has the headache? So I found out those who, who give towards the purchase of the jet, they don't talk. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when I buy my plane, whether you give or you did not give, don't talk. Because that plane, we must buy. Yeah, we must. And then, you know, I said... With I, and I change it to we. We being that I mingle with ministers who travel a lot. And I know the suffering. Can you imagine that my friend Pastor Corey said, I think I have to go back to traveling by road. Now, I travel between Sokoto and Meduguri and Abuja. 
That's, most, that's where he does most of his ministry, up north. He comes to the south, of course, also. Yet he said, I'm thinking you have to go back to road. That's how much he has suffered at airports. That time a man traveling between Sokoto and Kano and Meduri, which are the duty, you have to go by road. He's saying that, I beg, I'm done tired for plane. You know, some people, they've never left Okunano, so they don't know what they're talking about. Now, where I'm going is that, so that day, I sat there, yeah, I got, my flight was supposed to be 10, so I got to the, for certain reasons, he advised I should get there on time. I got to the airport by 8. By past 8, I had checked in to wait. Anyway, finally took off at 6 p.m., all right? Yeah. But you know what? I hardly felt it. And I was laughing all the time. Do you know why? As soon as I got there, the Lord said, he didn't tell me clearly, oh, like that, oh. But the Lord said, you are going to be here for a long time. Did you come with a laptop? I said, yes, sir. He said, come and sit over here. I sat and colonized a whole socket for the whole period. <laughs> Nobody looking for where they will charge, looking for where they charge. I came before you. I flogged my laptop. But I, I, was, I was not looking like a good Samaritan. I said, you want to charge your phone? Come. <laughs> <laughs> you got my laptop battery is not very good. So it really can't in managing my power. I've set it so that once power goes off, I have to conserve the battery. So it becomes very slow. So I don't, it's, it's a deliberate setting. I shut, shut down the power so, so much. So yeah, I don't like to uh, unplug it. It's very difficult to work with. I just, God just gave me that big Abuja had this thing. I just sat, I colonized one socket. Everybody else was sharing the rest. So one, 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 she was desperate. I need to make a call. The phone is about to die. I looked at the woman, looked my socket. I said, Madam, if you don't mind, I can plug it to my USB. It will be slow charging. No? He says, better than nothing. I said, sit over here. I plug, I, but that socket, I could Oh, my God. I saw, now, do I'm going. Do you know? Israel, that's why I could give you all the outstanding messages. This morning, I came for the stake. Every single one. I did all of them, plus the last, apart from the last one you gave me at that airport. I was busy throughout. Ten hours delay. Became so productive that, listen, I'm not joking about this. If you offer it to me now, in retrospect, let your plane leave on time. I'll say, <laughs> My wife has not seen me in a week. If I live on time, she's one of the ministering to leave that. Thing. My children have not seen me in a week. If I live on time. Let me stay here. Let them be feeling sorry for me. Well, how are you? I did here. Yes, I spent that whole period working. I'm not kidding about this. If they had put the flight further by another five hours, I was about to go back to writing the book. When I finished the audio work I was doing, I was about to switch over. The, when I announced our body. I just look like, oh, must we go now? I wa- See, I converted what should have been a bad thing to a good thing. In fact, I just feel like reading that scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 4. Just, I just feel like reading. Where I'm going is verse 15, but I just feel like reading from verse 13. It said, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus... We raise us also with Jesus, and we present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's verse 15. In verse 16, it now says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Look at the reason. It says, But though our outer man is decaying, that is subject to death, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Please, what I'm understanding is that, what Paul was saying is that, even though the outer man naturally is decaying, yet from inside, 
from the inner man, it is being renewed day by day. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, because the inner man is not decaying, so it doesn't need to be renewed. But the inner man is renewing the outward man day by day, subject to decay. Now, this is how it works. It says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. That is, every trouble, physical, is producing for us something that's far beyond all comparison in the matter of glory. Why we look, now please, this only works like this, verse 18. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That is, we are not looking at the physical, we are looking at that which is spiritual. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. That is physically speaking. What am I trying to say? It's where you fix your gaze that determines what comes forth out of your life. That is, if you fix your gaze on the things that are seen, on the money that you lost, on the opportunities, materially speaking, that you lost, you know what it says? It will produce for you death. That loss become real and nothing good will come out of it. I hope you're getting my point. After all the time we spent... Working on that business. Do you know that guy ran away with the money? Are you serious? Eh, okay. Oh boy, have you heard? Eh, you haven't heard? Huh. He ran away with our money. Who? That's two days later, another person you're talking to. One year later. The greatest regret in my life is getting involved in that business. I lost, see, five million naira that I did not have. Look at where I am today. That was my opportunity. Tundibakari said something once. <laughs> he said, he had, from a polygamous home, so he had an elder brother, a half-brother, who will come to him to ask for money. Children are going to school next week, oh, can you help? Man of God will give the man money. Come after some time, house rent is due, can you help? They'll give him money. He said every time he'll give him money, you know what he'll say? Ah, this life has not been fair. He said if only, because their father died early. He said if only my father had not died, I know where I would have gotten to. If my father had not died, I would have been able to finish school and I... So the man kept on saying that thing. He said, Tundebaka, I said, one day, I couldn't take it anymore. I shouted on him. That father was not my father too. Do you get the point? You come to me to collect money. And you are telling me the reason why I need to collect money from you is because our father died. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Decades later, when his younger half-brother had been blessed by God. Now listen, just by the way, you know, please don't be angry with me. I'm trying to focus on my message, but there are so many things to teach people. So I just have to continue. Tunde Bakari at that time, now let's talk about, of course, we know him as a prophet, and then he became a politician. You know, very good, credible prophet. I mean, when the man was prophesying, before he started doing a Save Nigeria and then joined APC. All right? God prospered him. God really prospered him. Okay? He did. That's why he could be helping out people. In fact, you know, and let me not spend, spend too much time talking about his gist, but it was by miracle that God brought money into his life. It was a clear miracle. The Holy Spirit told him what to do, where to go. And that, with that, he opened a door for him. In fact, you know, I told you, anytime I see things, I take spiritual lessons. I'll tell you about one Nigerian billionaire who's deciding to do his birthday party and rent a boat for $3 million for a few days, all right? Less than a month, three weeks, okay? And the daughter said, the reason why my father is doing that is because the boat is owned by his idol. That is a man, he is meant, well, like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean by idol? I don't mean physical worship. I mean, you get my point. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. So the, the, the boat is owned by that man. So that's so did she understand why his father is spending 
$3 million to have a party for a few weeks. They're going to live on the boat. Now, mom say, eh, oh, I didn't know that one. I say, see, stop thinking. You don't have money. That's your problem. So leave that thing. I don't like people worrying themselves about other people's money. Pastor Bank, you, you mean you can spend $3 million on a boat for three weeks? If God says I should. <laughs> because that means I have it. I hope you're getting my point. Stop saying that I can never do it because you say you don't have it. Do you get my point? Now, this is how I interpret things. When I saw it, I turned to my wife. I said, see. I said, then why are we worried? This money is plenty. If somebody, now, please, you have to know the way I reason. I said, somebody can hire a boat for three weeks just to feel happy because it's only 60. It means God can easily send me a million dollars and not bat an eyelid. That's my own. I'm not angry with anybody. Did, you know, did he come to my church to take an offering? He did it. And even if he did, did he force me to give him? Some people will be there. These rich people, they don't even care about the poor. Let me tell you something. The so-called rich people, they are forbidden from God from telling you when they are caring about the poor. So you can't tell. And did he even publicize that I was hiring a boat? You are the one that didn't mind your business. No, I, I, you know, I, I hate nonsense. <laughs> I don't like people just meddling in other people's affairs. It doesn't concern me. All I read from it is that God, a man is throwing $3 million to celebrate, not the party itself, to hire the hall. Yeah, no, the boat is a hall. So for me, it's, the, it's a sign of what is possible. So if we want to broadcast internationally and build big centers for the advancement of the gospel, I go look and say, people who have five junior to you, sir, are spending $3 million on the hall. So I know you can give us $300 million. And I'm not joking about it. I, have, I understand God so much. And I said that we are going to buy a plane. I'm not joking about it. That's not supposed to be a joke. Say, ah, kingdom water account balance is big. No. no. I know the cost of planes. Good one. I'm not talking about a, a Corolla that flies. I mean a plane. <laughs> I know the price. And believe me, it's huge. Buying it is the smallest part. Maintaining it costs you more than 5% annually of the cost of buying it. But then they charge you for landing, for taking off, for flying, for parking. And of course, the pilots are not cheap. They're, look, they're not, this is not Uber. So you're not going to pay the driver because he's a driver too. Drivers are drivers. What is it? <laughs> I mean, you have to maintain the crew. So, it's expensive. It doesn't worry me. Why? It's whether the need is there or is not, and I can stretch my faith. I'm not going to ask you or me or my wife or my friends for it. I ask the Lord if necessary. Say, Lord, this is not effective the way we are moving. Rearrange this thing. If you say we must go about me, I don't like going about. My own is that I, don't, I told my wife I don't want to go anywhere. If you stay in a no-go, it's my portion. I love it. But if I have friends who have to go around, if we have to, we just ask the Lord for it. It's not a big deal at all. He can afford it. What did I say? He can afford it. That's the way I reason. That's how I reason. Remember, I always say, so these afflictions, is as you, as you handle it. If you focus on the affliction, oh, you lost money last year, till now we have not had the last of it. Okay, you are a member of us. They now pay you half salary last month. How many also members do I have in the house? Jonah, Jonah, has he gone to school? <laughs> he has gone to school. <laughs> they can't bring house salary. 
Who said that? Someone told me this morning, a lecturer came to class, complained about her salary and walked out. I said, it soon becomes zero salary. This is you're working out. If you're a Christian, go back to class, laugh over it. Laugh over it. Laugh over it. That's what I'm making. If you focus on the loss, you lose more. Yeah. You lose more. You lose more. You lose more. And there are many reasons. Look, first, physically you end up losing more. But you now convert a temporal loss into an eternal loss. Now, eternal does not just mean the length of time. All right? But the realm of life it affects. Let me give an example. You lose money, okay? But you don't lose health. Do you get my point? But what if you lose money, then you now lose health through worry, depression. You begin to have high blood pressure. You bust an artery. Now you now need to go to hospital. Oh, you lost the phone. Was that five minutes we're talking about? Now, by the time you go for serious treatment, in fact, investigation alone. I hope you know investigation is a specialty. And then they check your EEG, your ECG, your GGG here and there. Then when I decide to start treating, and when you spend the most money I've been telling you is when there's no hope. You know, if you have malaria, hope day, one five, you buy. There are, all, there are all kinds of combinations. One five, you are good. For those who don't know, one five is less than ten, less than two dollars. Do you get my point? Almost guaranteed cure. The more you spend, the less it works. What I'm going to say is that listen, those things that require a lot of money to treat are usually the ones that are not treatable. So you don't want to get there. That's the point I'm making. You don't want to get there. And you can get there if you don't take your eyes away from the loss. That's what I want to emphasize to you. If you don't take your eyes away from the loss, you can get there. Depression is not bad feeling. It's a disease. No, people don't understand. You think depression is like, I'm not feeling happy. If depression sets in, a spirit locks your head. You can't make progress. When you see doctors use the word depression, they don't mean the kind of depression you felt because everywhere you didn't sleep well. I'm not feeling happy. Are you depressed? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what we call depression. Depression is inability to function. You have retardation of both your brain and your muscles. You that could do 100 meters, I know you are not using bolt, but at least you can run it in 20 seconds. That was written less than 10. Now, one hour later, you have not finished 50 meters. Not because you are not trying. You are actually trying. That's number one. Number two, you live on their ability to try is also removed. It's a serious sickness. So, if you don't take your eyes away, okay? If you don't take your eyes away from loss, you lose more. You lose more physically. You lose more by converting physical loss to spiritual loss. But this is my message here. It is possible to convert, do you understand? Physical loss to what? Spiritual gain. And this is the thing. What you gain spiritually eventually manifests physically. And the most important, however, whether it manifests physically or not is not the issue. What we are going for is spiritual gain. Please let me just beg you. Never, ever sacrifice spiritual gain for temporal gain. Never. If they say lie so you can make more money, say no, I like the poverty. 
that I like the poverty. Don't give me more money. Let me hold on to my spiritual substance. Spiritual substance is real. It's not a joke. Jesus will come to a church and say, this church, whoa. No, human beings will look and say, this church, my God. Look at the auditorium. Look at exclusive, uh, uh, ex- is that the word? Uh, exquisite, thank you. I know you cannot be exclusive. Thank you very much. Look at exquisite interior decor. My God. The microphone alone. Woo! The sound. Quality that enhances the anointing. Each chair is specially designed. You cannot pressure any part of your body. The church is something else. Of course, when pastor arrives, let's not talk about that. It arrives well. You can see the vehicle, the, the protocol. You understand? Everything. Money day. And if they start preaching like some things you don't need to pray about, you just have the money, you just solve them. In fact, we have not had to pray about this program because the money is just there. Hallelujah. So we are bringing this man from America. This one is ministering. The, um, uh, Pascal is coming from New York. Praise God. Then, <laughs> we bring a prophet from Australia. There's a teacher that's going to be coming from London because, you know, these British people, they know how to teach. You know, these are not things you pray about if you have the means. Hallelujah. That's, human beings are like, ah, come on, see church. Jesus looked and said, they are poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. Ah. You could have just said they are poor. We'll get the point. But Jesus didn't say so. He said they are poor. They are wretched. They are miserable. They are blind. They are naked. What I've told you is exactly the, what happened in Laodicean church. They said, we have money, we have need of nothing. And the church in Smyrna, Jesus looked and said, you think you are poor? Everybody said, they don't mind that church. You go there. They are, still, they are sitting on bench. You see the church, the, the, the ceiling is not even, they don't even have a ceiling. Just roof. When it's rain, you can't hear them. You can't hear anything. Pastor arrives, having chattered the keke. And you know what? That's the church Jesus used to go to. He said, I like the worship here. He said, you think you are poor? Come closer. You are rich. He said to them, you are rich. Do you know why? Because what God values is not what human beings value. What am I saying? Don't lose. Never forget that. Don't lose your spiritual gain in pursuit of recovery or temporary gain. One of the things, if you get, there's one old message we have. I don't know what it's, I think it's on the website. Take that loss. One of the things you must learn is how to take loss. You lose money. Yeah, tell me bye-bye. I said, leave that. I don't need the money. Leave it. You lose money. Just forget it has gone. You built a house, it collapsed. Go and rent one. He said, what are you going to do now? I offense the place around. I don't have money to even clear the debris. Just leave it. Le- oh, I don't know whether you're getting my point. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. Just leave it. What did I say? Just leave it. You know, the way Naira and Dollar have been misbehaving the last few months. You know the funny thing about it? It has never even been a curiosity to me. Like, what's going on there? I don't care. So, say, I should have bought Naira that time to keep. That's why God will have punished you. I should have bought dollar that time to keep. Why, why, why should God now punish me? Because sometimes, some things you do, you insult the Lord. He said, Allah is now. Uh, in fact, Yinka kept on reminding me that. She be, I said to reach 1,000. I said, I will, keep on, I will stop saying things because people keep on quoting me. You know? I didn't, when I said reach 1,000, I didn't mean like this. Are you getting my point? Like, I wasn't like, rushing it to 1,000, you know? 
But that's when you can always used to laugh. He said, where are you did now? He said, one day you will laugh. He said, this is not what pastor said. I said, which pastor are you quoting here? <laughs> but no, it doesn't even worry me at all. People say, eh, can you imagine? Eh? You know, there's a way you look at something. They'll not tell you that, eh, look at the price of this now. They'll not give you the value, you know, in dollars. Like, okay, look at, your salary is now only $100. I say, eh, then give me the price of my fuel. Why isn't my salary you're telling me it's $100? Give me the price of my fuel. You didn't give me that. What about house rent? Give me also in dollars. You now realize that the $100, all right, is not only the salary that went down. If you want to count in dollars, every other thing went down too in that regard. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Like now we've been broadcasting on one radio station that we broadcast. They said that uh, they want to increase their money. I told, I told Tor Reverend, tell them no, we're not paying. They, say, we're not. they now replied and said, okay, this amount, is, they have made up their mind. I said, tell them we have made up our mind too, we're not paying. I said, you are the ones who pay the highest amount. Now, you see where I'm going? You are the one who pay the highest amount. We pay you more than the ones who pay the guys in Lagos and in Abuja. You still want to increase? And none of the other ones, it's not that I want to talk about the other ones. I said, none of them, not one, has reviewed our price in the last five, six years. So if you want to tell me about dollar, they will tell you that I'm broadcasting for $100 a year. I don't know what I get my point. It's more than that. I'm just an example. If you want to count it in dollars, yes, some of my things are also getting cheaper. If you want to be using dollar to denominate everything and come and harass my soul. I mean, I refuse to think in dollar. I earn in Naira, spend in Naira. I refuse to think in dollar. So you say dollar is now this. I don't think, I don't think about it. Though. You know, but some things have gotten expensive. That is true. Some things also have gotten cheaper. But the point I'm trying to make in all of this is that I don't worry my head. Some of you are too young to realize that there was a time I was old enough to understand it. When Naira to the dollar was one to one. I was already a university student, undergraduate, when the prediction was that we hit 10 to Naira. And when my friend who was studying um, banking and finance in another university was told that, and he told me when we went home, we met at home, I was so angry, I wanted to tell your, tell your dad, your lecturer, that God would punish him. Because I felt he was wishing us evil. At four Naira to the dollar, my lecturers ran away from the University of Benin and went to Saudi Arabia. It was still four Naira. I was old enough at that time. But there's something I kept on saying as it was going up. This inflation. I said, do I look like I'm deflating? He said, buy land. The price will go up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? Do you get my point? When they sold the land at 500000 I did not have money to buy. When they sold it at $12 million, I had money to buy. So what difference? Is it not land? If it's okay, it's going to be 100 million. I will have 150 million. Don't worry about it. I don't, I don't think, maybe you don't get it. I don't think about it. Some people, you are staying up at night trying to decide when you will build a house. The house we live in now, we own it, all right? We own it, own the land, everything. But my wife and I will talk once in a while. I said, when did you and me ever plan to build? No, she admitted, never. Never. You say, hey, what's going to happen? Let's put money aside for this. You know, one day. No. One day, long ago. Not too far away from here. Where are we now? Yes. That golf estate area. Once somebody dragged me down there. Long ago. That should come and buy land. That time. Is it 350 or 500,000? I didn't have the money, number one. But he told me that he's zoned for this kind of house. I said, no, I don't like that kind of house. That man who didn't have money, they do shakara. I guess I believe that thing. And our gab. I said, I beg, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. I walked away from it. People have sat down before. Let's put money together to buy land. 
I said, wait. I said, all of you, you don't look like you want to buy. Now. You look like you want to do prospecting. You understand? The price will go up. I left them. What was my plan? God is my witness. None. I said, but, but Pastor Bank, you said you own the house you live in. Now. Yes. The man who owns this plaza was one that called me one day. He said, look, let me, give you, let me just talk about the details of our gist. He said, look, look, look. This has to be for so I was looking at him like this. No, Pastor Bank, this is important for this, this, and this. I was looking at him. Yes, sir. So after a while, he said, so what's your budget? I said, oh, God, I don't have budget. He said, no, give me an idea. I said, sir, I have been instructed not to read my menu from the right. That's what I told him. I said, I have been instructed not to read my menu from the right. You know what you mean to read your menu for the right? You check the price before you check what you want to eat. And, oh, that's what it means, you know. <laughs> when they give you menu, the food is on the left, the price is on the right. <laughs> oh, you didn't get it. Okay. I, I learned that thing long ago. They said, don't read your menu from the right. So you want to, you first check, when you see something, it's okay, this is 600 now. You now look to the left, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the funny thing? Just by the way. Do you know, I've never explained this thing when I'm, telling, when I'm using that illustration. I didn't know people who don't get it. I just say it and I keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you, you get it now. So I told him, I said, sir, I've been told not to read my menu from the right. He understood what I was saying. He said, no, I just want to have an idea. I, I refused. I said, I'm very sorry, sir. I, I mean no disrespect, but I can't give you an idea. What he did not know, he'd been a person who get money, they get idea. I won't give you the exact figure. When he told me, can you pay this amount of money? I almost fell down. I almost fell back. like, what? Empty plot or a built duplex? <laughs> I just smiled. With God, all things are possible. <laughs> he said, no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But I'll give you time to pay. You know, you have given it a number of months. I was just smiling me and me, looking at him like this. This man joking. Is that how wicked the Nugu has become? Is that how much they sell land in this place? So I did one small cal- mental calculation that gave me the faith to say, no problem, sir. I went home and told my wife, well, this, this is long, okay? So let me not give you all the details. Finally, after many months, we finally paid. All right? I won't give you details. Now, this will surprise you. I never saw the plot of land. That's the kind of human being God made me to be. Never saw it. Didn't see it. I didn't know where it was. I had no idea. I was in his office. We were talking. He just said, I said, okay, sir. So, for certain reasons, we have some money. Give him down payment. Um, he said, how come you had some money? It's a long story. I don't want to give you details. Part of it was that I was supposed to go for a conference in South Africa, in um, Cape, um, what do you call that place? Cape Town. So I told my wife, we're going to go, you know, so I put money together to buy tickets, and I said, my wife, you know, they go anywhere. I have to pay this man. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There was something before that. I'm jumping many stories, but this is the same spirit. That's what I'm going to give you. I'd never seen it. I did not know where it was. It was when we finally paid the last one. One day I went to, ah, he said something, which I will not forget. So I said, thank you very much, sir, for the consent. He said, oh, thank you for trusting me. Yeah, because I gave him all the money, didn't know where it was, had no idea. So one of our brothers who worked there, you all know him. One day I said, oh, Augustine, I should show you. So he said, I, I saw it. I told, so, okay, I didn't know. That was before we finished. I, I saw the, showed me the place. I just told my wife that, well, 
It's on the major road. I don't really. I, the place was not very well developed. I saw the plan. It says on the major road. I really. And I just leave it. Let's see what God will do with it. So the day we finished, he was supposed to hand over some things. That brother now took me there. So I said, so I look, I said, yeah, it's on the major road. He said, he said okay, Augusta, I should show you another one. So we turned, went to a close where I live now. M- many of you have been there. And he said, this is the option. So, okay, of course, I said, oh, this looks better to me. I went and called Bishop. Bishop, our bro- brother, the architect. So I said, Bishop, come, come and see. So the, said, this one is quite good. The way the land is, well, we can do something with it. Then we went to the other one. I said, let me show you the second one. When I went there, he almost came down from the car before I parked, out of excitement. The wow! You know, like when he saw it, he said, wow! And then, you know the kind of person that I be? That was it. We saw it and forgot it. So we said, I told my brother, okay, we choose this one. He said, fine, I'll tell my boss. And that was the end of it. What did you do about it? Nothing. So one day they were doing the election. Went to vote. So my wife and I went. The man also came to vote. And then he saw my wife. He said, where is your husband? He said, he's coming from the back. So when he, so after she said, I got to look for you. I said, ah, good afternoon, sir. He said, Pastor Bank, what is going on? I said, what do you mean? He said, I passed by that plot. You've not done anything. I'm like, ah, I was supposed to buy it, not do anything. You know, that, <laughs> that attitude. He said, no, now, at least go and put a gate. Because it was first son. I said, okay. So I called Bishop. I said, "Okay, oh, said we should put a gate. Up. How much will a gate cost? I'm not. What I'm telling you is the truth of God. I won't lie to you." So Bishop said, "Okay, this is about the amount." So he went. I didn't go there to check the gate. One day he said, "Okay, he has put gate. I gave him the money for gate." After some time, he said, "Sir, can you find me like fifty thousand? I said, "For what?" So I want to clear the place. So he cleared the place. Along the line, he designed a building. He said, "Now that I've cleared it, sir, do you have small money? Let me just dig it." God is my witness. That was how it began. So if you have, if you, if I can find five hundred thousand right now, we'll dig it. We'll do this. We'll do that one. I said, okay, I have five hundred k now. Take. This is surprising. Until finish the house, I visited only four times. Ask him. I got when the only four times. I think if okay, if I'm mistaken, five, not more than five. By time. He had, that is, it was ready to live in. It was like, a, please, come and see the paint we are using. He begged me, Tyre. I said, Bishop, have I ever begged you to come and help me preach? <laughs> no, ask him. That's what I told him. I said, have I ever begged you to come and help me preach? He said, no, sir. I said, do your work. Don't give me work to do. The first time I went there was because the man who God used to motivate us, he said, let me come and see what you guys are doing. So I told Bishop, oh, God wants to see you. So Bishop brought all his drawings and everything. Okay, so I met him there. Was if that was my number one day? Before that, I had not come there. And they were digging, they were living. I had not come there. So the man looked at all the drawings, looked at everything. He said, "What is this about?" He said, "No, pastor said he liked this. The man explained to me, no, that's not necessary. Remove this." Okay, bishop, okay, we're going to redo this. They did all of that. Then he, it was time to pray. So he prayed, prayed for everything, anointed the place. A man of God prayed. Then that's the workers there, some money to buy lunch. And then he went away. Next time I showed up, my mother-in-law came to town. I said, I heard people are building a building. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I want to see it. They were decking. I never went there again. It was because she came to town and demanded to see. Came with my brother-in-law. So I said, okay, let's go. To find the place, I needed to make sure that I get direction. I'm t- I'm, no, ask them. I'm not lying to you. 
they were decking. So that was, that was my second time. The third time, they had put the roofing, those, that, that wood. And my friend came from America. That was it. I remember. The third time, I said, okay, come on, let's go and see now. I drove there just to show it to him. What Bishop used to do is, this one, they take pictures, send to me. Eh? I said, okay. He said, oh, God, come and see now. I said, oh, boy, if you tell me to come again, you come and preach. Oh. So that was why, when we finally finished, I looked at my wife and said, when did me and you ever plan this? Never. By the time he, I think the fifth time was when he had, we had an issue with burglary. Some guys broke in to steal our cables. By that time, all doors, metal protectors, every, which was the reason why it didn't take much issue about security. All doors were in, metal protectors, everything. The place was ready. I mean, if I was under pressure, I could park in there. When I tell you, God has blessed me in this life. Eh? It's not, I know what I'm calling blessing. People worry me, like, what do you mean? Somebody, you won't even I say, what am I going to look at? And they tell me, say, will I understand it? If you ask questions, you should ask me. <laughs> Somebody say, eh, God, God just gave you that great person. I say, eh, what, you, you think Satan was the one that was going to give me a person before? Did I say it was just, it's not luck. It's faith activating grace. Ah. I'm bringing to somebody, I don't know who it is. So this worry, worry, worry is not necessary. People think that, so, you know, there's a faith that people preach as if you focus on it. It's not only that which you focus on that God gives you. What you expect, so there are two things in life. There are important things and there are added things. So God says, focus on what? Important things. And now we do what? Add. You are not allowed to focus on added things. You are not allowed to focus on added things. You can't put a picture of a cow on your wall and be staring at it every day. Ha. Oh, kalaboshka. Oh, I receive. <laughs> Motoka, do you look normal to you? Of course not. These are poverty activities. That's what I call them. I've done it before, so <laughs> don't make it look like a pastor. You know, I have done it before. It didn't work anyway, but <laughs> not because it couldn't work, just because I became wiser. And many things that God had added to me in life, I didn't focus on them. All of you know that my old car is old now. But that time, you know, when I bought it, it was brand new. And in Nigeria of that time, until today, buying cars brand new, you know, it's a miracle. It was brand new. I tore the rubber, the little tear rubber. We literally, I lost the pictures, but we had the t- rubber tearing ceremony in the house. You know, I still remember the sound. You think you to peel the paint of the car? No. I told Reverend Yinka was one that went to help me pick the car from Port Harcourt. I said, please remove the wrap before you come. He said, okay, sir. He got there, collected the car. He said, lie, lie. I will not desecrate this. He let a guy remove it by himself. <laughs> I said, so road safety caught him on the way. I said, now you do yourself. Because when they saw the car wrapped, ah, they said it won't have fire extinguisher. We did not know they don't sell the car with fire extinguisher. So it, when they stopped, it, it came down feeling very... <laughs> The new car, everything must be good. Of course, everything was okay. <laughs> the road safety guy, he said, this one, you don't know anything. He said, where is the fire extinguisher? Yeah, fire. He opened the they begin fire. <laughs> <laughs> he had to wash the car for them. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, Americans are watching us. Let's not tell them what we do in Nigeria. <laughs> I, when he came out, I told him, I said, you see, I told you to remove the wrap. He said, no, he didn't feel like removing. Because they thought, ah, look at this guy driving one sharp, brand new motor pass here. No go drop something for boys. For what? So they look for his fire extinguisher, and it was not there. So they say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. 
Now, what I'm telling the story again is that, you know, I never dreamt about it, I never planned about it. I needed a new car. That time people say, ah, you have money. What they did not know, that I bought that car because I didn't have money. Oh, it's funny. It was because I didn't have. The car I wanted to buy, I won't give you the name, but anyway, it's very common now. It, wasn't too, it was already there. The guys I needed to pay him cash. I said, I don't have that kind of money. So one day we traveled. One brother was driving behind me. So the car I was driving kept on stopping, kept on stopping. So we got to where we were going. That's where in Benin. He and I went somewhere. So he was another car behind. And I said, why were you always stopping? I said, that car, that is, I'm tired. I don't even know what to do about it. I said, in fact, I think I need to, I need to buy a new car. This car is now old. Give me a lot of troubles. He just said, we can help you buy one. I said, what do you mean? At my company, we have a cooperative. He said, there's only one problem. That's where I'm going. He said, we only buy brand new cars. But you have time to pay. That's, that's how I got there. He said, we only buy our cars brand new, but you have time to pay. He said, we don't do used cars. Whew. I said, okay. Let me make a long story short. That's how the story started. This is what you will do. You pay this percentage ahead. Then the rest you pay in scattered amount for over say, 18 months or two years. I've forgotten the exact period now. One day I got a call from the, the head of marketing in Dana Motors. He said, come and pick your car. It's ready. Did, didn't go to the shop. There, I just went to Enugu here to look at some of their brands, told them the one I wanted. They issue an LPO. The company brings a car, drops it. They say, where do you want your car? I said, do you want it in Portacot or Lagos? I said, Portacot. He said, okay, we'll drop it for you in Portacot. They were going to bring it to Enugu, but because there was an issue with price. So the guy had to give me a, a discount. He said, if I'm giving you this discount, then I can't deliver it. I said, that's not the problem. Then I got the call from that guy. I said, no, I've dropped it for you in Portacot. I said, tall reverend. Can you go to Portacot for me? He said, no problem, sir. You end up Portacot, brought the car down here. Did I pray about it? No. I did not focus on it. Stop using your focus for silly things. What are silly things? Food, drink, car, house, clothes. If God has given you an anointing to come and preach the word, focus on preaching. Dream about it day and night. Do you get what I'm saying? Since this is your life, focus on making sure you're a blessing, that you're impacting something positive into life. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. As a guy I know, from the day he met the woman he married, till he married her, and they did traditional wedding, church wedding, which other wedding did they do? Everything wedding. It was three months. You didn't hear what I said? Church service, they finished. You say, ah, brother, so and so and so. They are doing baby dedication. Let's just go to their house. So he followed his friends to somebody's house. Another church. Hey, so and so and so. They are doing baby dedication. Follow. She followed somebody to that house. Now, so two people followed each other to a house where somebody was doing baby dedication. She sat here. He sat here. Hello. My name is Adam. Oh, thank you, sir. My name is Eve. How are you doing? Three months later, they were married. They had never met before. He came to see us with that wife. How looking like God does work, sha. He gets on kind of what God did do. You just shake your head. If you want, no, he just, the moment he saw the lady, his spirit left him. <laughs> he, he was not at peace again. For in, within a few weeks, he had proposed marriage to the woman. Okay. Within a short, a few days later, she had accepted. For I know what's happening, they said, well, his own is out. If we are going to wed in December, why can't we just wed in August? I don't know that I get to my point. 
People are like, what is the hurry? He said, what is the delay? <laughs> so that was his own attitude. He said, what is the hurry? He said, what is the delay? Are we planning to change our mind? No. Okay. What am I going to say? That's it. Within three months. So all this one, after this long-term plan is not necessary. Today is what? Okay, this is the beginning of November. Do you know there's, there's still enough time to marry this year and you have not met the person? Don't laugh. Unless you say your laughter is... I like Anato's own. Anato's laughter is spiritual. Just leave it like that. Unless it's like that of Isaac. You know, Isaac's name is what? Laughter. So when Abraham laughed, he wasn't mocking. When Sarah laughed, it was rejoicing. If you are laughing in rejoicing, receive it in Jesus' name. Yeah. Fact. I, I think people should stop worrying. It's one of the things that God wants us to do. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Don't worry about anything. There are different ways you will know the man or woman you are supposed to marry. Some of them, you will just like them. Some, you will sit down and you will hear a voice behind you say, turn. And you will turn and look. Then you look again. Then you focus. Then you look again. And then the voice will laugh. And you will get the point. And once you get that kind of once you get that kind of that kind of inspiration. <laughs> Brethren, I found that, that when God told, I found that recently, I was listening to the phrase, that when God told Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac, the Bible said he rose up early in the morning. Who? When the Lord tells you to do something, rise up early. I said rise up early. Move. Pursue. Overtake. Recover all. Hallelujah. Amen. I say what? Pursue, overtake, and recover all. Don't worry. I don't feel like telling somebody, don't worry. You worry too much. You know how you know you are worried? Of, the person I'm talking to does not know I'm talking to him. You know what? And the, until I say it now, that's when you'll get the fact that I'm talking to him or her. I think it's a him. A her can also use it. The person thinks, okay, let me tell you. You know what you are thinking? I'll say another. You plan too much. You don't realize it is worry. You plan too much. You have too many plans. You almost have a chart. PowerPoint of your own future. Some people don't do PowerPoint for their own future. <laughs> Year one, they click on it. And then that's what they mean. They are clicking. <laughs> they are clicking on your future. That your PowerPoint file. Listen to me. The word of the Lord is coming to corrupt it. It will not open again. The plan of God is discovered. You know, it's discovered. See, you can just get up. Come, like I told you, that guy I was telling you about, that my friend's elder brother. He just went for a naming, a dedication. Just entered, sat. The lady came to visit. He came to visit. That was day one. Three months later, they were married. Nobody. He wouldn't have planned that. He couldn't have planned it. Telling somebody, stop planning. You plan too much. That's, the, that's actually, that's your problem. You know why, your pro, why is it a problem for you? Because anytime time God wants to do something in your life, it doesn't fit into your plans. And you reject it. So momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, for the things 
which are not seen are eternal. No matter what you go through in life, look at the spiritual aspect. If you lose something, ask the Lord, what's my lesson? Kenahigin said he tripped, fell, severely dislocated his elbow. So severe that they had to take him to the theater to anesthetize him so they could put him back. Then while he sat in the hospital recovering, the Lord walked in. The Lord Jesus walked in physically. He was a prophet. He used to have such visitations. Physically, he walked in. And it was not just walking and you are seeing things. No. He took a chair that his wife sat on until a few moments before that. Maybe like 30 minutes before. Took the chair, drew it, and sat on it. And said to him, we needed to talk. That was why you needed to dislocate your arm. Listen to this. He said, the way you were going, you would not have lived beyond the age of 55. That same man, downstairs, is one of the products of the ministry. You know, the uh, Rima Bible training this is now downstairs here, in this same plaza. That at the age, I think, 88, 89, there about late 80s. The Lord said, you would not have lived beyond the age of 55 if we didn't have this discussion. And he was not committing a great evil. He was about to divorce his wife, marry another woman. No! He said, I called you to be a prophet and a teacher. You have abandoned the prophetic ministry and you are focusing on the teaching one. And that, I think, was in his 30s. Affliction can be good. Just what are you focusing on? All things work together for good. Let's finish it. To them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. It's where the focus is. No matter how horrible the affliction looks, it can be converted. One of the things I've learned, you know, you hear me teach a lot of times, and I think it's a great revelation everybody should learn. And that's the fact that God can change the past. He can. Please, if you don't understand it, just believe it. Just know that he can change the past. To him, the past is here, the future is here, the present is here. All of them on a plane in front of him. Albert Einstein taught us about space-time, so it's not a big deal. If man can conceive it, God can double-do it, triple-do it, one million times more than that, do it. He says space and time, the same thing. And what does that mean? If God is outside time, therefore, so yesterday, today, and tomorrow, there is like space in front of him. He can stretch his hand from one and into the other. It's not difficult. It's according to our faith. But then they say, the thing that looks bad, even in the past, he can redo it and make it good. Do you know if Joseph did not follow the call of God for his life? There are different ways to follow. One of the examples of which of how Joseph followed was that he made sure he passed every test of faith. When Mrs. Potiphar gave, because you must understand what Potiphar was doing, Mrs. Potiphar, it was offering him all the kingdoms. That's what she was doing. But through an unrighteous door. Now, if Joseph had followed that door, you probably would never have heard of him. So that evil that was done against him will have been evil permanently. He will have died terribly in a strange land. And to be as if, you know, you hear that God meant it for, uh, you meant it for evil. But when he was saying it, the evil had become what? Good. So he said God meant it for good. But if he had not focused on the right thing, he would never have discovered that. And what they meant for evil would have turned out to be evil. The story would have been, beware of your brothers. Now the story is forgive. Do you follow my point? The story now is what? Forgive. The story is, even if they do evil against you, God means it for good. The story is that your life is not in the hand of a man. But if Joseph had not followed, the story would have been different. 
It will have been anytime you are touring your family. Watch out. There's danger. Twelve will have been the number of conspiracy. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Right now, twelve is the number of what? Apostleship. Government. All of it. Apostleship, government, you know, twelve. So now here the twelve tribes of Israel. Why? Because Joseph followed well. If Joseph had not followed well, you'll have heard that twelve is the number of conspiracy. You start hearing that, look, when there are twelve people, there's always a Judas. When there are 12 people, just know that your life is in danger. You will die in a foreign land. <laughs> what am I going to say? The evil in your past can even be rewritten now. Yes, it can be rewritten. God just look and say, twist it. That will be the beginning of a great thing. Many of the things that we say is bad. is because we interpret them from the end. What is good or bad, or bad, we just check what it produces. I hope you're getting my point. Let's continue reading. I said we should read somewhere, right? Romans chapter 5. He said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, that's Romans chapter 5. I actually read it as a summary of Romans chapter 4. That verse 1 actually was saying, was summarizing the whole of chapter 4. I wanted to read chapter 4, but I thought that would be a long read, so I recommend that everybody goes to read it. And I will just pass comments on things that are written therein. So Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And how is that justification? is through our Lord Jesus Christ. How is our peace? It is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I was saying something last time. Please, I need to quickly. I think that's what I want to talk about today. Now, what is righteousness? That's actually the main teaching I had in mind. Let's see how much of it I can do. I may not come back to it. If I have enough, just a few minutes to explain it. Now, what is righteousness? After man fell, we said that spiritual death, death came in three levels. Remember that? The first level is what? Spiritual. So he was separated from God. He no longer enjoyed the company of God. Not did he even desire it. However, in his heart and in his body and on the earth, in the heavens, that is the lower heavens, groanings began. Now, the groaning, people may not know what they are groaning for. But that groaning is a drive, a desire for a connection back to the God of life. Do you follow my point? Because they have been cut away from life, that groaning became necessary. Now, bear that in mind. Now, we've already established that the judgment for sin, all right, is automatic and it's been decreed. Nothing can be done to stop it. That is, it cannot be told there's no judgment anymore. However, it can be deflected and somebody else can take it. It can be delayed. And that's what happened. Jesus took it on our behalf. All right? Jesus took it on our behalf. So the reason why we are free is not because judgment disappeared, but because somebody else took the judgment. We discussed that one last time extensively. Now, what I want to explain is that approach to God. How do I approach God? Because of that alienation and because of sin, there was no way, we also mentioned it last time, to approach God without a sacrifice. I hope you're getting my point. There is no way to approach God without a sacrifice. And what the sacrifice does is to cleanse away the sin. 
And we have already seen that Jesus is actually the sacrifice. So every physical sacrifice that was given, an animal sacrifice, every time you slaughtered an animal, a turtle dove, a bull, a ram, a goat, whatever it is, or you have a scapegoat left to go into the wilderness, each one of them was typifying what Jesus would be. And once Jesus came, it came to an end. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, and in anybody's life that will know Jesus Christ, all those sacrifices must come to an end. There are many things people do. I say, you don't understand. Everything is a type of whom Jesus is. Sometimes Christians do what they call first fruit, and I see that thing going on around. They say, you have to you know, redeem your firstborn, first fruit. Listen to me. Those things are not for believers. They are not. They are fulfilled in Christ. They are fulfilled in Christ. We won't go into that in details now. Every other thing we do now, we do them, for example, now, like this first fruit thing. If we even know the way the Bible described it, it's not the way we practice it. Sometimes churches will say that your whole January salary belongs to your church. You want to hear the truth? It does not. Do you hear what I say? Yes, sir. What did I say? It does not. Say it loud. It does not. It does not. Nobody has a right to claim it. I don't care who is preaching it. If you like, give your six-month salary to your church. It's your decision, right? Yes. But nobody can say, because the Bible says that first, no. Even when it was practiced, even when it was practiced, it was a token. What do I call a token? How many people know how Africans do new yam? The first yam you harvest, you take to the shrine. You have maybe a thousand tubers to harvest. How many do you take? One. One. It's just the first. So this idea of your whole general salary, it doesn't work like that. Okay? What it means is your first expenditure. That even if you want to practice it like that. But all those sacrifices, it's not, that's not what Christianity is about. It's not. They typed Jesus. So once we have faith in that Jesus, the practice that they used to do is not necessary for us. Now, I'm not saying that our faith does not have works. Do you get my point? The works now differ. Depending on the situation, depending on how God called us to operate. Do you follow the point I'm making here? All right, so bear it in mind. So all those things are types of who Jesus is. Now, what is righteousness? Please bear that in mind. Just review some things that we said. What is righteousness? Righteousness is not the same as good works. Righteousness is a badge of relationship. What did I say? It's a badge of relationship. It's like having an ID card. Security clearance. You get to a building. Maybe, okay, you get to the airport. They tell you, this area, out of bounds to, of course, you can't just walk onto the tarmac and stuff like that. You don't walk there. But there are people who walk anywhere they go, anywhere they like. Where you, passenger, cannot go. But you see that they have a badge. They have a tag. So that tag, as they are walking past, somebody just looks at the tag and doesn't. He may not recognize the person, but he sees the tag. So that gives the person access. So it's authorization to access certain areas. That's why I call the badge of relationship. What is righteousness? It is the authorization to come into God's presence. That is what righteousness is. Is that authority, the badge, the authorization, the security clearance? That enables you to come into the presence of God. Because sin separated us. We talked about that. But righteousness reunites us. For that reason. Righteousness is determined by God. He is the one that says what is righteousness. 
It is not us. He's the one that will say that if you do this, then for me it is righteousness. Many people think righteousness is following the codes of morality that human beings have put in place. No. Righteousness is whatever God says it is. He says you will be acceptable in my presence if you did this. If you do that, you are acceptable. I hope you're getting my point. All other things will not matter. The most important thing is that you did the thing that he said is righteousness. Please bear that in mind. So, the word, of course, just to remind us, if you see the word righteousness in the Bible, the verb, righteousness is like a noun, it's a concept, okay? The verb is what? Justify. To make righteous, we use the word justify. To also use, for the expression to make righteous. How are we justified simply means how are we made righteous? Do you get my point? So here he said, having been justified by faith, having been made righteous by faith, that's what he said. We have been made righteous by faith. That is, God said, this is what is righteousness in my sight. It is faith. It's his choice. It's his decision. What is righteousness in my sight? In my sight is what? Faith. What, what, what do you mean by faith? Let me explain something here. Did something strike you? One single act as a result of a single choice was how sin came in. Troubles. Troubles. What is that act? Rejection of God's lordship. I will go for independence. That's the choice. The act is what? Eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? Now, what am I going to say? Righteousness, therefore, also, it makes sense, is also a choice. It's a result of a single choice. That's it. What is that single choice, or what is that act? Righteousness, uh, sin came by, I reject the rulership of God. Righteousness comes by, I accept it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's all. You are not made righteous by works that you do. You are made righteous by a single decision you made. Who made the law? God, not me. Some people come and say, are you trying to say uh, that, uh, uh, what about Hindus? I don't know. Why do people ask questions about other things when you are giving the right thing? If you come to my clinic now, I'm a doctor, and I tell you that, okay, this sickness you have, this tablet will cure it. You say, are you trying to say that the other people too, they will not be cured because they are not taking your tablet? You ask that silly, that kind of silly question. Why is that those who don't want to believe are the ones asking silly questions? I don't know whether you're getting my point. If you need money, I'll give you a bundle of notes. Take this money and go and buy. We'll be asking me that. Well, are you trying to say that those who don't have this money now, they can also buy? Do we come up with such discussions? We don't. God said, herein is, the righteousness, or is my righteousness revealed, righteousness revealed from faith to faith. It starts with faith, it ends with faith. This is what God said. My righteousness, what I accept as righteousness, is that somebody draws near to me through the sun. Let's not have serving discussion. What about Hindus? What, are that? what about um, um, uh, Muslims? I wrote an article long ago on the supremacy of Christ. Anybody who really, really wants to know the true God, God will always, 100% of the times, lead the person to Jesus Christ. He always does it. 
Even those who lived before Christ, they had to be led to Christ. You say, what do you mean? That was why he gave them sacrifices. That was why he gave them sacrifices. How are we made righteous? It's a simple thing. You accept Jesus as your Lord. You accept to follow him all your life. I need to emphasize the issue of Lord. You are not made righteous by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Salvation is a result of accepting him as your Lord. I don't know whether you are getting my point. I know we say accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. All right? What matters is not that you call him Savior, but that you call him Lord, Lord. You see, that Lord, that's why he had to say, not all who say it, because that's what they are supposed to say. I don't know whether you get my point. Many people want the salvation without a lordship. I have bad news for them. It does not work. I have very bad news for them. It doesn't work like that. Because, you see, death, sin, came as a result of rejection of his lordship when he used to come to the garden. Life comes by accepting that lordship back, which is what faith in the son is. Let me talk about faith again for a moment. Faith is not I agree. It's far beyond that. What is faith? I'll tell you. Faith is faith. I don't know how to say it. But the effect of faith, let me give an example now. If I tell you, take this medicine, it works. It cures a particular ailment. And you say, that guy is a good doctor. He knows what he's saying. You have that ailment, then you go and look for herbs somewhere. You don't take that medicine. You've told everybody I'm a good doctor, right? You told everybody I know what I'm doing. But you have that ailment, you don't take that medicine. You don't have faith. Even though you agree. Even though you preach it. But until you take that medicine, you are not persuaded concerning what I have said. And you are not ready to stake anything on it. You don't have faith. Do you get my point? That was why that young woman possessed by a demon will say, these are servants of the Most High who have come to teach us what? The way of salvation. But she did not believe. She did not go for baptism. You know what she was saying? These are people who have come to entertain us with another way by which you can enter. But she said that, of course, you see, she was powered by an evil spirit. And by the way, that's what the evil spirits do. They make you look like there are many ways. Anyone, listen to me, anyone that does not recognize the exclusivity of Christ Jesus as a way of salvation is speaking for the devil. Mark those words. Only Satan will offer Jesus with other options. It's a satanic agenda. It's a satanic agenda to offer Christ with other options. It's only Satan that does it. Please don't forget that thing I said. Anybody that tried to say to, say to you that you trying to say that only Jesus is the way, is either thoroughly confused or is deliberately trying to confuse the atmosphere. What well, I've told you is a matter of fact. Because if you go to the realm of the spirit, those who really are spiritual, they know that we can look for God. But if we want to approach us, because you see, let me say something about God so that you remember it. Never forget. There's what is called, or there's 
Yeah, there's what is called. It's God, but I want to use the word what. Okay, I can say what because I'm describing his office. God is judge. So God as judge is approachable by everybody, including the devil. Do you get my, my point? Muslims preach something. The whole preaching of Islam, Ekanka, and many of these people that believe in reincarnation, they only preach God as judge. How do you know those who are preaching God as judge? Everything is based on your works. On the last days, you'll be weighed. Did you do right? Did you do evil? And peradventure, if you did enough praying, enough good works, you may be able to make it into God's heaven. Now, that is preaching God as what? Judge. Now, there's one problem. If you preach him like that, and he says he must never number iniquity, how many people will stand? How many people will stand? So it's going to be a very lonely heaven for him. All religions that preach God as judge have said nobody will ever make it. It's the reason why I heard an Ekis talk once. And he said that you'll keep on coming back to pay for your sins. And that's the principle behind reincarnation. Are you getting my point? So you were born 1980. Why? Because you see, when you died in the year 1935, you were owing some people money. Now they have died. So you are going to come back and come and do good works to pay for all the debts you owed that time. And then you will die and then you will be free. There's only one problem. When you die at the age of 75, you will have committed what? Some new sins. So you have to come back to pay for those new ones you committed. And let's hope that you will live for maybe like 50 years and commit no sin. And then you probably will have been able to pay some of it or all of it. There's only one small problem. That's not going to happen. In 50 years, you are going to do something bad. Then you have to come back again and perpetually you are stuck in this reincarnation business permanently. Their own is worse than the Hindus. Hindus' own is far better. Because Hindus say that you also reincarnate. But the good side is that you are a human being now. Next time you are going to come back as a cockroach. So that is very good because cockroaches really can't do anything wrong. So maybe somebody's going to squash on your head and that's it. Your sins have been paid for. Of course, who wants to be, who wants to be saved as a cockroach? <laughs> do you follow my point? Listen, anybody that presents God as judge, he gets you into a cycle that you can never break out from. The only place in which you are free is when you see God as who? Father. Now that God the Father, listen to this, no one can come to what? The Father. It is no one can come to God. People don't understand that. He said, no one can come to the Father except by Christ Jesus. No point getting into arguments. There are many ways to God. There are millions of ways to God. But there's only one way to the Father. There is only one way to the Father. There is one way to the Father. Only one way. That way, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In that way, you find the life of God in you again. Remember, sin came by a single decision. I'm saying to you again, life, life in Christ, the life of God, righteousness is also attained by what? A single decision. What is that decision? Christ. To accept Jesus as Lord. our Savior. Lord. 
As Savior? No. No answer me, yes or no? No. As Savior? No. No. But to accept him as what? Lord. When you accept him as Lord, then you are saved. Many people are trying to accept Jesus today as Savior. They don't accept him as Lord. They hear the Lord is my shepherd. They quote that shall not want. They forget. Why you will not want is that he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. If you are not following his leading, and I don't mean in my heart, I hear. No. He has given words. He has given instructions to live by. If you are not following, you will want. If you are not following, though you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear evil. Do you get my point? Let me say something to you. The Jewish mind, when he wrote that, it was not that he full and his man that was a shepherd. Let me end with that. The shepherd was not a full and his man. You know the way we do headsmanship these days? Where do you find the full and man? At the back. On the side. With what? Stick. Beating everybody into line. That's not Jesus. The shepherd of their time went in front. The sheep followed because usually the shepherd will sing or talk, utter his voice. That's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. One man said something once. It was quite interesting. He said he went somewhere in the Middle East to one of these watering areas where shepherds would come to water their sheep. And a number of shepherds, I think like three of them, came with their sheep, all of them the same color, the same sheep. They were all sheep, the same species. And they all came to water and they mixed up. So he panicked. How would they know who owned which? Did they brand it? There was no brand. Even if there was brand, wouldn't they be sorting them one by one? He was watching until they, all of them finished drinking water. And the three shepherds just moved in three different directions. And each one began to sink. And the sheep heard the voice of his own shepherd and went in that direction. Each one just went back. They didn't even check. They just kept on going. The way God designed it, the sheep is supposed to what? Follow. So Jesus kept on using the word, follow me. Follow me. Follow. It's follow. It's not force. Nobody pushes. It is a decision to follow. To say, this is the one I will what? Follow. See, there's no salvation except you are following. Please tell those who are preaching nonsense grace to hear it. Salvation is only for those who follow. That's why he said, not all those who call me Lord, Lord. He said, but those who do my will. It is the following that gives salvation. There's no salvation except you follow. That is why the word Christian is not applied to every church goer. It's applied only to what? Disciples. What's a disciple? A student of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the acceptance I have to be able to come into the presence of the Father. Remember, what is the presence supposed to do? We talked about it. When we come into his presence, what happens? We are transformed. When you come into his presence, what happens? You are transformed. You are becoming the exact image that he created you to be. But you cannot come except you are accepted. You cannot become except you can come. Do you get my point? That is why righteousness is the beginning point. It's not the end point. The right to come is the beginning. Once you come, you know, something happened yesterday night. I was meditating. I was meditating. There's something, because I've had issues for a long time. Trying to, you know, I teach on prayer every Tuesday, right? And by now we have hundreds. I don't, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of messages on prayer. 
you will think that means I understand prayer. Pastor Bambu, you are teaching on it. And the one I know now, I will teach you now. And many times I'm speaking by inspiration. Oh, yes. It's inspiration. I have some fundamental understanding, but what I'm going to bring up to you is that. So I keep on asking questions. One of the questions I keep asking is that why do people pray for long? Now, please, I'm not criticizing you. I mean, I ask. Some people say, I prayed. I was there praying pray for the next, next five hours. And then I kept on asking, what were you saying? Now, please, I want you to understand something. I'm not saying they are wrong. I mean, I'm really curious. There was a time I was wishing I could tap. I'll be allowed to bug the rooms of some of these people that tell me they pray for 10 hours. I just want to know what they said for 10 hours. I'm not angry. Oh, please, I pray you get me. I'm not angry. I just want to know, bros. I want to say something that will make some people not very happy with me, but that's the truth. What I'm about to say. Somebody has said it before. He says, some people who pray, please, some, I didn't say all. Some people who claim to pray in tongues and groan, they are lazy. How many people? Did I say all? There's one man I heard recently. He said that there's a groaning thing that's going on now. And he says it's a lazy way to pray. Now, I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying he said so. This guy, is he the one that said it? Why are you two looking at each other? Are you in that church? Now, please, you see my point in a moment. Please, don't get me wrong. So it makes me ask questions. Now, are you saying they are lazy? I, I didn't say so. But the person that said it, I know why he said it. Some people do the praying in tongues and growing thing simply because they don't have anything else to do. They are, this will surprise you. They are literally punching the air. If God answers, they will have no idea. If God does not answer, they don't have any idea. But they have the sense of satisfaction that I've done something. This is what I like to say. Paul said, I will pray with my spirit. What's the next thing? I will pray in my understanding also. I personally believe that you must balance the two. That's what I believe. Using the words of Paul. I get curious. I want to know what I'm doing. You know, what people call fast, many of you know me. I don't do it. What people, at least I don't fast. I say what people call fast. I don't do it. I don't go hungry so that God can talk to me. You say, why don't you? I can't understand why he will speak because I'm hungry. If you have an explanation, come and show it to me. I want to learn. I'm a student. Too. See, this is not bragging. I listen to messages all the time, trying to learn. I'm always digging. If I find a minister that's teaching, I gather his teachings. I want to know what he's saying. And if something I'm supposed to learn, I met one man when I was in Medugri, you know, last Saturday. I was not here because I was in Medugri. There was one man who came to teach. He taught for one hour. What he did not know that night, I was on YouTube looking for his messages. I was meeting him for the first time. He ministered prophetically and taught, both combined for about an hour and a half. Do you know, when we got back home, instead of me going to sleep, I was on YouTube searching out his messages. I need to understand what this man is saying. He blessed me tremendously in an area. I immediately went to go and I'm always trying to learn. So when I say, I, 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 I pray for 10 hours, I'm wondering, what did you say? I'm not angry with you. I just want to know. What were you trying to achieve? What did the Lord placed upon your heart? I want to know. For that reason, I've been praying about it for a long time like that. So yesterday night, I was praying. Oh, just by, by the way, the fasting things, people who don't know me, they get confused there. God doesn't hear you because you're hungry. He hears because you are focused. 
And then he speaks to you because you are focused. So you remove every distraction, including feasting. The opposite of feasting is fasting. The opposite of fasting is feasting. That's why Daniel can tell you, I did not eat any pleasant food. If you know the Babylonian culture in which he was living, eating was feasting. They gave them wine and delicacies. Remember, when they were training them to become ministers for Nebuchadnezzar, you see, they had to go and protest on the kind of food they were giving to eat. They were literally fattened. Okay? So, you see, that that night could say, I did not eat any pleasant food. And it was like that for three weeks. Basically, he didn't have time to what? To feast. Which is the reason why if you are fasting, you also may have to get off WhatsApp. It's the reason why you are fasting, you, also, you have to get off Facebook. It's the reason why you can't watch football and you are fasting. Do you get my point? It's the reason why many things, you can't hang out. So it's people focus on that you don't eat. No. You are still indulging. Even Paul said, listen, let me not even go there. Even in marital relationship, it affects the way you behave. You, can, you may have to move out of the room. Go somewhere else. That's what they call fast. It's that focus that's a fast. And I tell people, many people don't like it, but it's the truth. I keep on teaching because it's the truth. When you're fast that you, that you can't see again, you've left it. God has left you. You are not seeing each other. <laughs> you need to take something to strengthen your, your body. He said, but Moses did not eat. 80 days. That tells you it was supernatural. I told you he was being fed from the spirit, not from the physical. It's the reason why I said man does not live by bread alone. If that food is working in you, you won't desire the bread. You don't fight the bread. You are fighting the bread. No. Please, I've taken a lot of digression in trying to get to what I'm saying. So I was praying a few days ago. He said, Lord, what are people saying? Is it that one will say something once you don't hear? Is it that one will say something one time? We have to beg you. God, I beg now. He lost now. How far now? With the sick now? Yes, I said, hey, so I said, God, are we begging you to do something you don't want to do? I am convinced of something. If we have to pray for God to do something he doesn't want to do, we will never be blessed when he does it. The only thing we pray about are the things he wants to do, but for certain reasons he cannot do. So he doesn't want anybody to perish, but because they have sinned, they will perish. So we can get on our knees and say to him, please don't let them perish. So he will suspend judgment while we work on their transformation. There is nothing you ask God to do that he will do when he did not want to do it. And you will be blessed by it. Never. Where am I going? So why all the delay? I was praying, God, what's going on? I believe the Holy Spirit answered me yesterday night. And he says, the length of time you spend there, it's not me you are persuaded. It's yourself you are transforming. Do you get my point? You stay in on the matter. It's you that's changing. God keeps you there. Let's keep talking. There's no need to hurry for me to answer a prayer. Stay there. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Is that stay, I found out, that's actually his interest important to him. It is the stay. When we're in his presence, you know what he's doing? Like I told you, you can't come to his presence except what? There's righteousness. You have to be welcome. So what allows you coming is what? Faith in Christ Jesus. That drags you in. I found that the reason why prayer appears delayed. Listen, please, I want everybody to cultivate this. Prayer is not to get answers. The primary thing about prayer 
is to be changed. Are you hearing my point? Stop focusing on the answer. Start focusing on God. That I've come to your presence. I have this prayer. I have this prayer. I have this prayer. Yes, but can we keep it aside? Talk to me. Why will a man have this kind of problem? Now, I'm not trying to solve it now. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. He says, in the beginning, it was not so. Uh-huh. Male and female created, hid them. Therefore, shall the man deliver? I say, okay. So this is how it was in the beginning. Say, yes. But why did Moses say this? Now, all of this is prayer. You are trying to solve a marital problem. And you're having a discussion with the Lord. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You are trying to solve a financial problem. I told somebody once came to me. Talk about their financial problem. I said, you know problems you have? You are praying, God, give us more money. God said, no, I need to correct you about money. You are praying, God, give us more money. But I'm saying you need to be corrected about money. Sometimes you'll be there praying for six months about money. God said, I'm not giving you a dime extra until you hate the idea. So every day you are there. Lord, more money, more money in the name of Jesus. If you have money now, we'll be able to preach the gospel. If you have money now, we'll be able to give to the poor. If you have money now, we'll be able to do more for you. Lord, give me more money. And he's looking at you like this. At the beginning of the prayer, you have you're earning like a hundred thousand. At the end, it has dropped to seventy-five. Ah. You didn't sow a seed. You come again, you go and plant. More money. Hey, crab At the end of the year, it's up to fifty. Because don't worry. It will take you two years for me to get to zero. At the end of two years, say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Ah, now wow, forget this money thing. I won't talk about other things. Because you don't like hearing. God said, Good. Other things like, why, why did you even create myself? All right. Now, when you were going to be born, I told your mother, you are going to come to Nigeria for a particular reason. You are going to be a prophet to the nations in this area. Say, so, ah. so you know what I wanted to do? That job you were doing, I wanted to stop. Go and start this other one. You're not going to get any money. You're going to get offerings, which will be kind most times, food, free lift, and everything. Then you will hear from me every first Monday of the week. And that word that we give you is what you will use to do this the rest of your, for the rest of that week. Do you understand that? So you are going to start praying. Now, it took you two years to get there. Come on and say, breakthrough for you today. He said, oh, guys, I've lived without money for six months. This money is not important in life. Then by the time you are saying it, people look at him, live without money for six months. You will not have noticed that God has been channeling millions of naira through your activities on a monthly basis. But you no, don't notice anymore. I don't know what I get my point. Now, please, I'm not saying you're going to start church. I just need an example. Maybe you're the pastor of a church. And you say that we don't need money. Money is not what we need. And they're looking at you like, this guy is serious. They just bought a land for 150 million. You did not notice. The dickies gathered, announced to a few people, they gathered the money. You just said, we should buy this land. I think it is good. They paid for it. You heard, but you didn't register that they paid 150 million. And you are the head of the ministry. And then things are going on. But God has brought you to a place where, honestly, let's save money for this. Never leave that thing. And literally, you don't save money for it. What do we need to do? He said, let's pray about it. The Lord will supply. I was giving an example about driving, a, a, flying around in a private plane. Then one day, somebody here says, sir, anytime you want to travel, please let us know. There's these people that say they will carry you without any charge. Ah, uh-huh. okay. That you just pay for this, this pay these charges, and it's okay. I say, can we afford it? Say, we think we can. The people say, ah, he has bought it private. Anytime they see you land private, they don't know it doesn't belong to you. It's a donkey that Jesus hired. But you know, it took you two years of praying for more money. Forget to get to the point where you realize that money is not the source of supply. 
And the source of supply can supply many times without money. I found out that if you are praying, you are not being changed, you are wasting your time. I don't care how many tongues you speak. I don't care how long you groan. If you are an angry guy in January and you pray the whole year, you are still an angry guy, you were clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. You, it had no effect because the primary reason why people pray is so they can be changed. You can't change his mind. His mind is not changeable. You say, ah, but he changed his mind here. No. Even when they went to Nineveh, I found out, having read, as I told you, I read Jeremiah until I got there. I said, Jeremiah, why are you this wicked? I, I had to go and meditate. Go, why are all your prophets just cursing and cursing? And the Spirit helped me to understand. These are the very things I don't like to do. So prophets come telling you what God does not want, but which will happen. So when he comes and tells you like that, he says, 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Did you guys get on your knees and say, Lord, please don't destroy Nineveh. And Daniel will come and say, do you know why I won't destroy Nineveh? I'm adding many things together. He said, break away from doing unrighteousness. Show mercy to the poor. And he gives a number of things. God will lengthen the days of your prosperity. Is that what he wants? Yes. And they do it. Everybody repents. And God says, so Jonah comes back and says, what happened? God did not destroy them again. Why? The main reason why I decided to threaten was so that I won't have to carry it out. Why do you tell your child? If you, look, six strokes of the cane for you today. Then he pulls back. Does he get the six strokes? No. Why did you warn him? So that he wouldn't do it. So when we pray, even it appears like we make God change his mind, it's simply because he never wanted to do it. And it's written in scripture. He never wants anybody to what? Perish. But he desires that all will come to repentance. What will shock many of us, a man like Shekau, Shekau is dead now, right? The Boko Haram guy. If he had repented, God will so forgive him. We are the ones that will refuse him. You know when Paul, after everything, Stephen is dead. And I said, you repent. The church said, repent. No, that's not what Jesus meant to. <laughs> he took Barnabas to come and say, guys, he's really repenting. He saw the Lord. He saw who? He saw the Lord. The Lord appeared to him. Okay, for the sake of Jesus, let's just, let just manage him. To forgive that guy was hard for them. But then when they began to see what God was doing, now, where I'm going is this. Even Shekau, if he had said to the Lord Jesus, I am sorry, after all the bombing and all the killing, God will make something out of him that you know that the death of Jesus was justified. Those of you who are looking for good people to do good things, you are saying Jesus didn't need to die. Yes, that bad people are the ones that end up doing the right things. It's proof that Jesus died not in vain. I have preached extensively today. Like I told you, I will preach until I'm tired and you will hear until I'm tired. I'm not trying to check. Am I tired yet? No. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I just look, just pity you. Because if I do like this anointing, second dose will come. The first dose has gone down now. Let's quickly escape before the second dose comes. Let's bow down our heads and give the Lord thanks. If you understood something today, give him thanks for understanding. Give him thanks for insight. Give him thanks for understanding and give him thanks for insight.